3: To make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to the America. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make some money. My job's not just to entertain but to educate and teach you, so call me one 800 743 cbc or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Was today's pullback all about profit taking? Or was it the real economy rearing its increasingly ugly head? Every day that the averages go down, the Dow slipped 102 points, S&P shed 0.78%, NASDAQ lost 0.97%. We have to ask ourselves the same question. Is the market finally responding to the fact that we have Great Depression-style unemployment 38 million jobless claims in the last nine weeks, or is this just another garden variety sell off and wake up a major rally? I'll give you a hint. It's not the real economy driving the bus. Look, I know the market's incredible rebound over the past two months seems totally out of sync with what's happening in the rest of the country. Wall Street's become divorced from Main Street, and we're told that's unsustainable. The thing is, I'm not so sure. This morning on Squawk on the Street, I kicked this idea around with David Faber and Carl Quintanilla. David was incredulous that I thought that perhaps we're just seeing a garden variety sell-off, not some reckoning with the reality of mass unemployment. I mean, how the heck could the market shrug off still another 2.4 million people filing for jobless benefits this very week Remember, we get those claims Thursday morning? Let's start with the positives that help stem the bleeding uh, today and I'd say almost all week, because that's the case. First, there was the news that Treasury Secretary Mnuchin told an online summit that we'll probably need another stimulus package on top of the $2.2 trillion Congress already appropriated. Hey, guys, that's huge. It tells you the White House is paying attention. They're not tone deaf to what's happening in this country. Now, we know House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's been trying to pass another multi-trillion dollar bailout, came on the show to talk about it. But the problems in the Senate didn't even make her account offer. If the president's pushing for uh, relief, though— That could change. Pelosi won't get her full wish list, but she'll work with Secretary Mnuchin and she's going to get something done or he's going to get something done, depending on about your outlook. The impact. Well, geez, if you know that several trillion dollars of stimulus could be coming over the summer, that suggests the future will be brighter than the past. Sure, the economy looks bad now. Gotta believe it looks better with a second gigantic relief package. Second, the Federal Reserve, which controls the printing presses, has been injecting money into the financial system at a furious pace. Actually, untold uh, and I'd say the fastest ever. Uh, In the last two months, we've seen more expansion of the money supply than we got in the first five years after the Great Recession started. You hear me? More. Two months. When you hear that the stock market's only roaring because the Fed is propping it up, well, this explosion of the money supply is what people are talking about. Personally, I don't see the problem here. Extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures. And this is extraordinary time. As long as the Fed's going full throttle and rates stay low, the stock market's going to be a terrific place to be, even in a weak economy. Sorry. Let me put it this way. Any company that can maintain or even increase its dividend right now is a much better buy than leaving your money in cash or bonds. Like it or not, stocks are the only game in town. You've heard that phrase before. I'm sorry, I gotta use it again. It's cliche, but it works. Crazy thing. Four trillion dollars have been pulled out of this market since the pandemic got rolling. And I think we're seeing some major pent up demand. Just like people who are desperate to be uh for an end to the shelter in place order so they can get a haircut. This money on the sidelines that came out the four trillion, it's itching to get back to work because it's making you nothing on the sidelines. Third, the vaccine. The silver bullet that lets us go back to normal. All week, we've been dealing with reports about a potential vaccine for COVID. Kind of the pictures getting clearer. A few days ago, Moderna released some very preliminary data from a very small size sample with no control that suggested their vaccine could be effective. That seemed very exciting until the next day. When the company announced plans to sell one point three billion dollars worth of stock, right as a biotech journal questioned the significance of Moderna's data. The truth is, Moderna's vaccine is in phase one trials. It's being tested for safety, not uh, not whether it works. I think management's suffering from a disease that often afflicts young companies. It's called premature explanation. It's painful. If they'd simply told us the vaccine was safe and left it at that, it would have been better. We'll find out if it works in phase two. Maybe they get a a worse price on the stock offer if they had done it my way, but uh, nobody would feel burned. Controversy aside, though, the fact that we spent all week talking about other vaccine possibilities absolutely cuts in favor of the stock market because it reminds people that eventually we could get a vaccine. Notice I still said could not will. And life can go back to normal. Fourth positive, lots of people, including many governors and a few money managers seem to believe that the virus has been contained. Some even think it was never a big deal to begin with, although that largely seems like a function of geography. If you're living in a region that's mostly unscathed, I can understand feeling this way. I, maybe you think the whole thing's been out of, blown out of proportion. I know there's whole news channels that seem to think that way. A lot of people felt that, the way, uh, that, that, that way in New York, though. Remember, that's the way we felt at the beginning of March. Rude awakening. Now, I really hope the rest of the country could avoid that harrowing experience, and I don't want it to happen, but it happened to us. Don't want it to happen to you. What matters here is that lots of Americans seem to believe we're nearing the tail end of this pandemic. And and when we reopen the economy, life is gonna go back to normal. This is a view that says we're about to return to the ski you know to the well, we're gonna do everything. We're gonna to go to the beach, we're gonna take a cruise if they let us. Not to mention getting our hair cut, getting our nails done, working out at the gym, and maybe even hitting a packed bar, right? Get a couple of yeah, hit, anyway. I think that's too optimistic, but you need to know that this cohort exists. Hey, look, you know, look, I own a bar. You think I don't want that to happen? Hello? Anyway, so with all these positives, why was the market still down today? Is it the jobless claims? No, I don't think so. I think the averages aren't telling us the truth. Stocks that managed to rally today were recovery plays: Retail, housing, some really bad retailers, decent housing, travel, industrial, hey, cruise. Plain. They're totally in sync with the bull thesis I just laid out. Down and out, mall retail was the strongest part of this of <laughs> today, for heaven's sake. The weakest performers were actually the stay-at-home stocks like Take-Two Interactive, the video game company we'll hear from later in the show. Essential retailers got slammed. Hey, we're going to talk to Target later. In short, there's nothing in today's action that suggests Wall Street worries is worried about the economy. It's anything the opposite. They're just trying to figure out where stocks should be priced. So why did the averages go down? Simple. The stocks that got hit are the international techs, the companies that thrive on global commerce. They do a lot of business in China, and President Trump's once again ratcheting up tensions with the Chinese, this time attacking his formerly good friend, no, great friend, sorry, President Xi. The personal nature of his tweet attacks feels like an escalation. When the the White House gets ad hominem, That means companies that do lots of business with China need to get ready for a world of hurt. Wall Street doesn't like ad hominem. And that's why the big international tech stocks let us lower that. Had nothing to do with the horrific labor market here in the U.S., Wall Street is still very much divorced from Main Street. They're not getting together anytime soon. It's kind of like, you know, they've already moved into separate houses. They filed the papers. They got maybe a lot of information Bottom line, the market may have been hit, but today's action was still pretty upbeat about the U.S. economy. The decline of the averages came from the White House, once again, getting tough on China, which is why I think we should hold off on another trade war until the economy's in better shape. But I understand. I do not think the Chinese, the Chinese have done inexcusable things here. As for the pain on Maine, it's left mainly on the plane, not on Wall Street. Got it? I think you've got it. Devin in Texas. Devin. Hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my
1: call and everything you do for us listeners. I have a quick shout out to my buddy Oscar in Tennessee who's watching this. My question is about a company that I have held for some time now, Baidu, after their recent earnings beat and uh, just recently heard that they're delisting from the Nasdaq. I was wondering if this is a stock to hold for the long term.
3: Look, I went over the quarter. The quarter was a great quarter. Uh, Uh, But the problem is, is that I'm only I'm only recommending, remember, Alibaba. I read by to us real look look like American financials. I only want to do Alibaba. Why? Because the tensions are so high here. I don't want to wake up and have the president say that, look, uh, we should short all the Chinese stocks. Uh, Hey. Really? Don't put it past him. Let's go to a meet in New
4: Jersey. A meet. Hey, hi, Jim. Can you hear me?
3: Yeah, man. Good to talk to you again.
4: What's going on? Thank you so much for the great work you and your staff and everybody does for us, people like us at home. Uh, question for you is like, you know, what is, uh, I have 2% of uh, uh, portfolio value which I want to invest, or Macy's or Ford. Uh, Macy's has got Q1 profit loss of about $1 million uh, and 2 uh, or 3 million was a previous uh, profit about the same time. So, which one would see no, well, the light forward, take that thing of forward off
3: the table? Now, Macy's, very good uh, report out from Matthew Boss, my favorite analyst of retail, JP Morgan. Question: Maybe we're going to be having a trough here. Look, I, I'm a guy who believes in owning TJX, all right? I want to own all the stuff. I want to own a store that gets all the stuff that the other guys are, are basically dumping and then marks them up. TJX, very good quarter today. Stock up big, owned by my charitable trust. I need to speak to Brandon in New York. Brandon. Jim, booyah. Booyah, Brandon. What's going on? Okay, so my question is about Lamar stock and what your thoughts
1: are for holding long term. Do you think that no, long term
3: that advertising and their advertising is going away? Uh, I want very much to uh, recommend the stock of Facebook for people who want advertising because they're also supporting small business. And they've got hundreds of thousands of them. And believe me, while they're helping them for free, it's going to be a major game changer in earnings once these companies get their sites rolling. I know the average is declined, but the action was still upbeat about the, uh, the economy, the future economy. Remember, the pain on Maine is not on Wall Street. On Man Money Tonight, with millions of people largely stuck indoors amid the COVID-19 pandemic, video games are more popular than ever. So why is the stock like Take-Two declining today? Hey, let's talk to the CEO. Then I've got the exclusive with the CEO of Target. Find out how the retailer really fared in the first quarter. Forget the way the stock's acting. And Palo Alto just reported to close. I'm crunching the numbers with the CEO. They look darn good fresh off the report. So stay with Kramer.
0: Your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpresscom Business Gold Card.
2: Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also, a fact smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
3: Do win a couple of reports a great quarter, not in spite of the pandemic, but in part because of it. Consider the case of Kramer Faith Take Two Interactive Software, the video game publisher best known for Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, and a host of sports franchises under the 2K banner. Last night, Take Two reported a magnificent quarter. They earned $1.07 per share when Wall Street was only looking for 89 cents on absurdly better than expected sales up 41% year-over-year. Digital net bookings were up 60%. Management's forecast for the next quarter was incredibly bullish. Full-year guidance, though, more cautious. And this is not the kind of company that is going to brag about gains, especially if they were helped by a tragic worldwide event. And this is when the stock roared higher in after hours trading A True Take, but then Take to understandably acknowledge that they don't know how long the stay-at-home tailwind will last, and the stock got hammered, ultimately closing down nearly 6% today. I think Take-Two got hit like this because it came in hot. The stock had an epic run going into the quarter, so the bar was ridiculously high. It was set by the stock itself. More importantly, these numbers were phenomenal, and I'd be a buyer in the weakness, and it is owned by my charitable trust, which you can follow by joining the ActionLearnsPlus.com club, and this is exactly what we said to people today. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with Strauss Zelnick. He's the CEO of Take-Two Interactive Software. Find out more about the quarter and his company's outlook. Mr. Zelnick, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
3: Oh, great, Charles. OK, Charles, it is hard to forecast. We're one of the one of the most bizarre times in our lives. Here's what I want to know. How many people do you think uh, didn't know about gaming or had forgotten about gaming who have come back to like it with their families and might stick with it no matter what?
1: Well, it's a great question. It's obviously hard to measure, but we think in addition to our core audience, in addition to our existing casual audience, there were a number of people who had, were familiar with interactive entertainment from their past, but weren't currently enjoying it, who did come and sample it and said, wow, things have really changed. This is incredible and, and, and came back to stay. And I think we've attracted new audiences as well. According to Activate, a leading media consultancy, Interest in gaming, gaming activity is up something like 40% uh, as a result of this pandemic, about 40%. Now, we've obviously, we've obviously done even better than that, have you seen with our numbers? But more interesting, Activate's research says that post pandemic, and, and this too shall pass, this tragic moment shall pass, of course, they expect that gaming will continue to be up 14% across the board, across all demographics versus pre-pandemic usage. Uh, that's very encouraging.
3: All right, so let, let's uh, dig down that. Would this be because the graphics, the chips, everything is much better, the storylines are much better than people realize, or is this just something that people discovered, was some, uh, or millennials in particular who have kids, uh, or, or baby boomers looking for something to do with their kids, have discovered a, a, a joy of something that really used to be very flat when I was doing it with my kids?
1: Well, I think I think it's all of the above. You know, the stories are better, the characters are better, the graphics are better, the gameplay is better. But most importantly, there's this notion that you can connect with friends all around the world because you're on a headset. You're talking while you're playing. You're playing together as a team or playing against each other. You can create new friends. You can create new communities. So as opposed to linear entertainment where, you know, you are sitting back and absorbing with interactive entertainment, you're not just involved. You're also socializing. And at a time like this, particularly, we all want to socialize
3: right now. There was a kind of a weird disconnect on the call. Uh, You have the pipeline, the strongest ever. Uh, committed number titles. Yeah, 93, coming. 93, like 93 titles. Coming That's right. Products. I was going to be more specific, but you're right to do that. It makes the story more effective. But you also admit there can be a valley. You have never, ever, ever promised that something was going to ship until you loved it. So you can't really nail things down. Yes, maybe the schedule's light. That is obviously not matter because of Grand Theft Auto and because of the other games that are doing so well. So what I'm trying to do is for the longer term viewers who are watching this with things like an NFL new product coming. Maybe it's even as good as Blitz, golf. You have NVIDIA reporting tonight. You have ray tracing. Should we just not think about the next six months and take two? Has that been a good way to assess this thing?
1: I'd probably put it a little bit differently, which is, you know, we're in this great position as a company where even if we have a light release schedule and to be clear, it's not our goal ever to have a light release schedule. But we do have one expected in fiscal 21. We still have a great catalog. We still have all these live games. We still expect to generate 2.55 to 2.65 million billion in net, billion in net bookings and to generate 350 million dollars or more in unrestricted operating cash flow, and that's in a very light year. And imagine what, you know, what we can deliver as we bring this pipeline to market in the next few years. We've already said we expect to see sequential growth in fiscal '22. So we're really excited, and, and this company has shown that it can be profitable and it can survive and thrive, even with the vagaries of a release schedule that is, as you said, driven by our pursuit of quality. We just won't ship anything until we think it's as good as it can possibly be.
3: Now, usually uh, with tw- with 20 seconds left, I jam in a question. This is the old days. Jam in a question about what you're doing to help community. I'm not going there. I'm doing it right now in the centerpiece. Um, you're giving. And I thought how you give, I want others to listen to, other CEOs. You didn't just write a check. You gave a a percentage, which is a wild thing to do, because if you have something that, that hits for $700 billion, you're giving a percentage. And I want people to know how you chose to do that rather than say, and we gave a million to COVID charities.
1: Well, let me talk about our team. And let me give you a, a palpable description of our culture. This came up from the label level. And remember, we, we share profits with our label uh, colleagues. And the label, our label said to us, we want to donate 5% of our digital sales on selected hit products, these are our biggest products, in April and May, unlimited, uncapped to charity. That's already more than $10 million. That comes partially out of the pockets of our colleagues. They brought this to us. And then we said, yes, we think this is a great idea. We endorse this. We think the corporation should do this. But but I think the key point is this came from the hearts and minds and pockets of all of our colleagues, over 5,000 colleagues all around the world. That's a I think a testament to the culture of this company, and we're thrilled to be able to support phenomenal organizations, including Covenant House, who are taking care of of people who are in need in this in this terrible crisis.
3: It is. Uh, I don't think. The depths of it are more, I think, more uh, availably seen in New York than in other parts of the country. I hope they yeah. don't see what we see. I hope they don't. Well yeah. this thing, uh, NBA no season, maybe better because I mean, ESPN picked up Kevin Durant, a bunch of other guys, give us live sports, but it was live esports. Does can you actually do better without the season than with? Now,
1: look, we we can't wait for basketball live, real basketball to come back. We do have another season of the NBA 2K League. It's in process. We have 23 teams competing. Uh, that's fantastic. We had a tournament of, on ESPN where 16 NBA players played NBA 2K. But, Jim, look, we're having another phenomenal year on NBA 2K. This is going to be the biggest title of in, in the history of 2K sports, not just basketball. Uh, right now, we're up something like 30% year over year across the board. We've sold in over 12 million units. Um, our, our basketball fabulous. title is nothing short of phenomenal. Thanks to the folks at Visual Concepts who I, make the title.
3: All right, excellent. I know at some time you were uh, not happy with it. That is certainly no longer the case. They address uh, the issues uh, and and it, the results speak for themselves. It's unbelievable. Uh, exactly. And that's what matters, the results, okay? Although I also think that giving a percentage is the way to give. It's Val CEO of Take Two Interactive. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, Money's back after the break. Right, what the heck happened to the stock of Target yesterday? Coming forward a great quarter. The stock opened strong, but then it rolled over. A finishing session down nearly a few percent. It got even again today. You might look at the action and assume something was wrong underneath. Couldn't be further from the truth. Target posted a phenomenal sales beat. people. The same store sales up 10.8 percent, digital sales up 141 percent. I keep telling you this company is one of the few retailers that's actually a winner from the pandemic. They have the scale and the web presence to thrive, even in an environment where people are afraid to go shopping. And they offer value. So why did the stock get hit? In part, it's because management didn't issue the guidance people wanted maybe for the current quarter. They stopped. It's too hard to forecast, of course. There were a few pockets of weakness, apparel. They've had to spend a lot of money rapidly, expand their digital business, fix stores for safety, and of course, reward loyal associates. But maybe I think Target sold off yesterday because the stock had run up dramatically. going into the quarter Expectations greatest. You simply had a bad setup. After this pullback, though, I think we need to focus on the scale of the opportunity because it is huge. So let's check in with Brian Cornell, the bankable chairman and CEO of target to get a better sense of the quarter and where his company's headed. Ryan, welcome back to Man Money. Jim,
5: good to hear your voice. I hope you and your family are safe and well.
3: We're doing great. I hope same for you. Same here. All right. So, Brian, I want to try to explain to people at home why a company could report great numbers and Wall Street does not understand it. But the Main Street people who are watching do. Basically, you have millions of new people who have come to Target who might stay. And that was the important thing about the quarter.
5: Jim, I have been at Target for years now. I have never been more proud of our team and the way they performed during this pandemic period. And yes, you're right. We have millions of new shoppers who are experiencing our store, our online capabilities. And I think we should be really proud of the progress we made during this quarter. Not every day you talk about comps at 10.8%. Our stores were up 1%. Our digital business grew 141%. But behind that, all of those same day fulfillment options, order online, pick up in store, drive up, having a ship shopper bring something right to your doorstep, those grew by almost 300% during the quarter. So I think we've got a lot to be proud of, a lot of momentum, we're building market share. And I think most importantly, Jim, we built trust with American consumers during the pandemic. And the investments we made in our team, the investments we made in safety, Those are going to
3: pay dividends for years. All right, so, Brian, let's talk about the cadence, because I thought that was most important. Some of the analysts focused on apparel. Hey, come on. At the beginning, who was going out? Who needed apparel? As things got, uh, let's say, people got more used to the idea of going to Target, you got more and more repeat buyers, not just people who just sampled. And these people probably have stuck with you since May.
5: Well, Jim, February was actually a pretty normal month. Our comps were up about 3.8%. Our digital business grew by 33%. By the time we got to April, our business grew by 16.5%, and our di- digital business up 282%. And we saw strength in April across our entire portfolio. I mean, the big winner for us during the the first quarter was our lines business, with business over 20% categories like electronics as Americans were sheltering in place and working and educating from home, grew by 45%. mean Food and beverage, up 20 Our household essential business, up over 20%. And we had a huge boom in kitchen, up 25% as people were obviously entertaining and eating meals at home. But come April, that apparel business also bounced back. And as stimulus checks arrived and we continued to build trust with America, They were shopping in our stores, taking advantage of online, and we saw that apparel business bounce back. So it's the strength of our multi-category portfolio, the ability to shop in our stores and online that I think was really important during the pandemic.
3: Brian, there's a couple of, I think, misperceptions, but maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Some people feel that there's only room for Walmart and for Amazon uh, as a target shopper. I don't really get that. Some people feel that you'll never make a lot of money with this uh, pickup at store initiative, that it's too labor intensive. Uh, can you dispel that there, the gross margins will always be bad for pickup or that there's no more room than for Walmart and Amazon?
5: You know, Jim, we've talked about this for several years now, and we talked about you know, the digital economics. And when you move from shipping from a distribution center hundreds of miles away to actually shipping and fulfilling from a store, if we ship from the back of our store or we pick and prep and pack it and have UPS or FedEx deliver it to your home, about 40% of the cost goes away. But when you use drive up or pick up or shipped, about 90% of the cost. Of that digital fulfillment go away. Those look much more like a store transaction. So we're confident that over time, we're gonna blur those lines between store transactions and the same day, because again, we made a decision years ago that many questioned. We said our stores are gonna be the hub of our fulfillment strategy. Everything evolves around our stores. And when you're ordering online and picking up in a store, well, Yes, we call it a digital sale, but you're coming physically to that store. The store does all the work. When you pull into our parking lot, you know, that team member walks out, puts it in your trunk, contact free, and you drive off. But the store is at the center of that. Even with our ship shoppers, they come and shop our target store, and then two hours later, they're bringing it to your home. So what makes us so different and gives us so much confidence in our economic model is it all centers around the stores, and our stores are so productive right now. You know, we talked about stores growing by 1%, but when I think about what was purchased at a store, as you were checking out, what was purchased when you order online and picked up in a store, or pulled into our parking lot, or had a ship shopper fulfill it, those store fulfill comps, they actually grew by 9%, over 9% during the quarter. So our stores are more productive than ever, And that's going to fuel our profitability over time.
3: All right. And then one last thing. You spent a lot of money uh, investing in people, which is what we want to hear here uh, because of COVID-19. But I'm curious to know the consumer themselves uh, want to wear masks, feel more comfortable with masks, don't mind social distancing, don't want to get out of the car. Where is the consumer in the era of COVID-19 now?
5: Yeah. Jim, I've got to spend a couple of seconds talking about the $500 million we invested in the health welfare and safety of our team that extended to the guest. And I know there are some questions about, you know, did we spend too much? And I would tell you, I will never apologize for investing in the safety and health and welfare of our team. You know, from day one, when we knew we were going to be an essential retailer and be out there providing America with the medication, the food, the in- disinfectants, the household products that they needed, we said we've got to take care of our team. And we gave them premium pay in both our supply chain and our stores of $2. We gave anyone over 65 pregnant with a pre-existing condition four weeks paid leave. And we gave backup care to our entire team. And we also obviously invested in safety, making sure we had people who were regularly cleaning and disinfecting surfaces. We put the plexiglass shields up. We committed to social distancing and made sure there were decals on the floor. We're metering guests. Our teams get masks and gloves every day. We've tried to create the safest (laughs) environment in retail. And that's a big part of what's going to be so important going forward. Because I think American consumers and our guests, safety is going to be important. And I think we saw the kind of results we delivered in this first quarter because we invested in our team. We created a safe environment. And our
3: team and our guests trust shopping at Target. Well, Brian, I, 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 as a faithful Target shopper, I couldn't agree more. And I want to thank you for uh, taking the time out to come on Mad Money. It's always great to talk to you. Jim, good to hear your voice. Thank you. All right, that's Brian Cornell, chairman and CEO of Target. Remember, they said that they were going to do well when it was at 112 last time, went down to 106, people were upset, and then the next stop was in the 120s. I think the same trajectory could happen again. Mad Money's back after the break. This was not a great day for the stay at home stocks, but maybe that's about to change. See, after the close, we got results from Palo Alto Networks, the cybersecurity kingpin. And Palo Alto, it knocked it out of the park. I've been recommending this stock as a COVID winner, because with millions of people working from home, you need to spend a fortune on cybersecurity. Remote working creates all sorts of new vulnerabilities. So Palo Alto's cleaning up here. The company posted a 23% earnings beat off a 94 cent basis, much higher than expected. Revenue's up 20% year-over-year. Billings up 24%. Even better, management gave extremely bullish guidance for the next quarter, raised their full-year forecast. No wonder this already red-hot stock is soaring after hours trading. Who gives guidance anymore, let alone great guidance? So can it keep climbing? Let's dig deeper with Nikesh Arora. He's the chairman and CEO of Palo Alto Networks. So he had a better read on the quarter and his company's prospects in this strange new world. Mr. Arora, welcome back to Mad Money.
4: Thank you for having me again, Jim.
3: OK, Nikesh, first of all, congratulations. Your strategy, uh, which I regard as being one that you put together for two years to enable customers to consolidate their cybersecurity deployments, was perfect for this environment. It just was the one you had to choose. How did you know that this could work?
4: Well, Jim, you know, I don't think we knew what was going to happen in the world, but what became obvious when I started in this industry was customers had too much fragmentation. Things needed to come together. So we started focusing on integration early. What became obvious that people are going to go to the cloud. We started putting a cloud security strategy together. We've got 1,500 customers this quarter so far. So Things just fell into place. I think all COVID did what was accelerate the trends in the direction of integration, consolidation, and cloud transformation.
3: You helped me understand this. I had become quite enamored and still am of these pure cloud plays. Uh, they're terrific if you're all at the office. Maybe not so good if you're at home, even working on your own device, and maybe you shouldn't. Palo Alto's got both bases covered. That was the right course. That's, what's, that's part of the reason why I think you could raise guidance.
4: Well, Jim, uh, look. I, I know you're a fan of some of our peers in the industry, which are pure plays, and I think pure plays have a run. They come up with an amazing product and they run with it. But the challenge, if you look at it from the customer's perspective, they need things to work together way better over time. Because our hacker friends are not sitting there alone, waiting for us to do all the manual things that we do. They, they're they're on the money with all kinds of quantum computing and all kinds of cloud computing. They're going to they're going to use to hack against us. So we've got to match them with consolidated, integrated products. And that's the strategy we have been following. I think in this environment, as people start working from home more and more, the attack surface just exploded. Now you have to protect me in my house as well as in the office. It's no longer I can go to one headquarters and be protected there. So the perimeter is gone, the traditional perimeter. You've got to protect people everywhere for that. You need a myriad of products that work together. So, so we're lucky in this wonderful place.
3: I have also underestimated Cortex. Uh, it's really playing. You need a... One stop, Uh, people don't want to have multiple vendors, but they did want Prevent, and you're giving them Prevent.
4: You know, we've been very, very fortunate. Our product teams have done a great job in taking products which we have great ideas on and putting them into industry-leading categories. We're now the industry leader on endpoint protection and XDR. We are the leader in cloud security. We've always been the leader in firewalls. Our teams have done a phenomenal job in building an automation platform, Cortex-Xor, we have a very competitive product in the market against c scale and Prisma Access. So we feel like our product strategy is working. Couple that, you know, last quarter you and I talked, there were some concerns around execution. Our sales teams really, really kicked this ball out of the park. They said, we're not taking this lying down. We're going to rise to the challenge. Our supply chain teams rose to the challenge. I couldn't be prouder of the people at Palo networks in the way they've helped me navigate this crisis and the way they really strengthened our opportunity going forward.
3: Yeah, The execution here was flawless. Uh, you also had a, uh, something I wish a lot of CEOs would do. You had a stockholder letter which talked about longer-term trends, not just about Palo Alto, but longer-term trends. It finishes with something quite eloquent, but I need explanation. You say, to indirectly quote one of my friends and a legendary business leader, the path to stability will be like the waves caused by a tuning fork. How do I yes. interpret that?
4: Well, you know, Everybody has been talking about a V-shaped recovery, a U-shaped recovery, a W-shaped recovery. I think, you know, when you look at a tuning fork, the first wave is the strongest. And then over time, it dampens. So we are going to see ebbs and flows as the economy recovers, as things get out of this stuff. But I think the worst is behind us. I think that fear of everything's going to a very dark place and it's going to take us years and a long time to get out of it is out of the system. I think that's the first step towards recovery. And I think we're going to see, you know, companies are energized. They're all coming out with ways to deal with the new normal. We announced a new policy today called Flex Work. We're letting employees pick where they work from. It's going from employer choice to employee choice. They will choose how they're comfortable, whether in their social environment, whether in their professional environment, and that's the new normal. So I think the way we all adapt to the new normal is going to come forth in the next six to nine months. I believe in the resilience of our country I believe in the resilience of the global economy, so I think we're going to come back out of this. There may be bumps on the way, or we're definitely coming out in in, in a reasonable time frame. Yeah, that's the first time
3: I've really heard it like this. Uh, there are a lot of people who've been telling me, Jim, they're all itching to go back, and then other people been saying, no, they all want to stay home. It's choice, but because it's choice, that means that you that companies will have to adapt to that choice, meaning that they'll have to bring in a Palo Alto. They can't just say, you know what, we're on the cloud. Guys, can't wait for you to get back. If it's choice, it's Palo Alto.
4: Well, Jim, you know, I've come into the office today to experience how it is, and it's different. You know, it used to be funny. When we were working in the office, our sanctuary was, I want to get out of the office and go home. I've been home for two months. I want to come to the office. So I think many of our employees are going to go through the same balance of wanting to come to work sometimes and wanting to be home sometimes. But we've all discovered through this pandemic that we can be productive from both places. Only very few people need to be in the office. Face-to-face meetings are interesting, are required, but not necessary everywhere in every business. So I think this is the new normal. We have an opportunity to adapt to a new flexible environment. We've talked about gyms in the office. We've talked about free food in the office. Those things are things of the past. I think people want a different set of perks. We've just given allowance to everybody to go out and make their working from home more comfortable because we know people are going to be working from home for a very long time. So I think that's the most important part in that environment. As the world becomes more and more disparate in the way we run companies, we're going to have to protect people wherever they are. And for that, you cannot do that with single products that work. You need to have a comprehensive product strategy and security. And we're delighted, excited that our teams have built that strategy, our teams are building those products. I couldn't be happier about
3: it. One last question, Nikesh. There there are systems for video. Some of them are ironclad and secure, very expensive, and B2B. There are others that you want to use, sometimes secure, sometimes not, but you want to use them. Can Palo Alto protect me with video?
4: Yes, Jim. Look, uh, the video, there's been a lot of controversy and discussion. I'm not sure how much it was warranted. I think most video systems have security capabilities. I think there were some missteps made by some players, which they've rectified. We use those video systems, we use all of them. They're all secure. Just have to apply passwords against them so people can't get into your conference calls. If you leave your door open in your house, you can't blame the person for walking in. So put passwords in your video calls. That's what you need. Make sure your video provider is not giving your data to anybody else, but they've all stopped giving. I think you're safe.
3: Well, Nikesh, I want to congratulate you again. You made a series of acquisitions. All came together at one time. This is obviously uh, the beginning, I think, of a very, very exciting flight path for Palo Alto and for Palo Alto shareholders, of which you are a big one because you bought in the open market substantially lower, making it clear that you thought it was a buy. Thank you so much, sir.
4: Thank you very much for having me, Jim.
3: Absolutely. That's Nikesh Arora, Chairman CEO of Palo Alto Networks (PANW), a very exciting situation. That money's back after the break. It is time to the light. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Daddy, time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with Alex in New Jersey. Alex! Jimmy chill. When's our next book coming out, bud? Oh, man, I got one on ESG, but it's on hold because of Mr. Pandemic. What's happening?
0: I can't wait. Well, I want to
1: get your opinion on
3: Textron, TXT. What do you think? Okay, here's my view on Textron. It's always cheap. It's been cheap when I recommended it in 1984 at Goldman Sachs. So, it's cheap, and that's all I have to say. How about Joanne in California? Joanne.
1: Hi, Jim, or Dr. Chill. It is a pleasure to speak with you. I'm a first-time caller. Shout out to my youngest son and his beautiful family in Chatham, New Jersey, in here in neighborhood.
3: <laughs> yeah, but, but, but rival. Go ahead.
1: My, um, I'm a member of a girl's stock club, TGIF, 12 Girls in Finance, and we're always looking for some small or mid-cap
0: stocks to balance the big ones. Anyway, my thought was, with so many of us home snacking, what do you think about Metafast?
3: You know what, It's interesting? I've been thinking that after the pandemic, people are going to say, "You know what? If we don't keep stay trim, keep our weight down, whatever, the next pandemic's going to get us." I like your idea. I would not have liked it pre-pandemic, though. But I, I like the women's women's stock group, and we'll always look forward to your recommendations going forward. Let's have Tom, Tom in Alabama. Tom. Oh, Jim, this is Tom from Land. All right. Uh, just uh, I'm an action worker. Plus member, and I've consumed several of your books. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I've
5: got, I've got a high quality problem with a spec that I bought last year, and it proceeded to double, and I got my money out of it. And it's dropped back down and now it's
3: up to you know, about a 15% gain. My stock is Arrowhead Pharmaceutical, Alpha Romeo, Whiskey Romeo. Gene, gene silencing. Uh, you know, when you hear what Moderna's doing, there are many ways to skin the uh, unfortunate cat. And I like I thought I like your stock, but it is speculative as you mentioned. But remember, we don't want to ever leave gains on the table. We catch a double, we sell half, and we play with the house's money. <laughs> Now we're going to Anthony in North Carolina. Anthony, up at the dispersion of Geog. Anthony. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Anthony. Hey, uh, my stock is Ford Motor Company. Are we going to see similar appreciation like we did? No. The answer is no. It was a different Ford then. Uh, it was able to not take government money because it was stronger than the other guys. This Ford, I just feel like is, um I don't know. I mean, it just kind of flatlines, and I'm not in favor of the flatlining stocks. I like growth. I prefer. Get this. This'll this'll crush people. Remember, I said Tesla. Uh, that you could add Ford and GM together, and when it doubles, those two. It, it, that's where Tesla might be too expensive. Uh, no, Tesla goes higher. Now we're going to Abdul in Massachusetts. Abdul. Hey,
4: what's up, Jim? This is Abdul. Um, uh, my the symbol is FNE Sony.
3: I like Sony. It's very cheap and very good and got good growth. I'm glad you, you know no one ever asked me about it. I've liked it for a long time. I remember it was in the 30s. It's a good stock. And that the inclusion of the Lightning Round.
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: Will people leave quarantine en masse as America reopens for business, or are we kind of stuck with the stay-at-home economy for a lot longer than that? Hey, this question's coloring everything we do right now. What does take to interactive, which we just heard from earlier in the show? This best-of-breed video game maker reported some spectacular numbers last night, the biggest beat we've seen for the group. The problem? Some of that strength does indeed come down to the fact that people are stuck at home and starve for entertainment. Hey, take two initially rallied on the news, but then it stocked it a huge, a sudden, horrible U-turn in after hours trading, giving back all its gains, and then some after management pointed out that the level of engagement might not be sustainable. Suddenly nobody cared about the quarter, and the stock closed down nine today. They figured it's a short-term one-off blip-up. So you gotta take the numbers and run before things go back to normal. Sell, 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 sell. When Wall Street sees it, either people keep staying home because they're afraid and take two makes a killing, or people start leaving their homes again, and this newfound business just dries up entirely. I say false dichotomy! <sighs> Obviously, the past two months have been nirvana for the gaming industry, and that can't last. The shelter-in-place economy is temporary. But at the same time, I'm betting this period will have a lasting impact on consumer behavior. You've got millions of people playing video games right now who might never have tried them without the pandemic. Once they're hooked, some of them will stay hooked, even as the economy reopens. That's just natural. You no, know, the numbers won't be as strong as they were this past quarter, but I think they'll be much stronger than they would have been without the extended lockdown. It's an unfortunate windfall. I call it unfortunate because nobody wants to benefit off of a pandemic. But it means the stock is to be worth more than what it was selling for before COVID-19, or at least I'd say substantially more. No wonder Take-Two is still much higher than it was at its January highs and why I think it can keep going higher. At today's pullback, it's a buy. All these new gamers aren't going to ungame themselves. It's very exciting. Hey, same goes for shopping. People have been mumbling for years about the death of the mall, okay? But the numbers never really bore that thesis out. While mall-based retailers struggled, the mall owners, along with the shopping centers and strip mall companies, were all doing pretty darn well. Somehow they were able to consistently raise rents while the war was supposedly wasting away. Oh, boy, but that is now over with the virus. I do not want to touch these stocks. The House of Pain. Most of their tenants haven't been able to operate since mid-March. How the heck are they supposed to pay the rent? Well, they can't. They're deferring. Or maybe they don't even open again. That's why I think many of these retail-oriented real estate investment trusts are in big trouble. Almost all of them... Have too much debt it's, if this thing doesn't go right, doesn't go right back into, into true form, which I don't think it will. Plus, even with the economy reopening, there's no guarantee that their tenants will see much traffic. Consumers are afraid to get sick, and they can, now, they can get nearly everything they need online. Plus, they're not doing as well as they were financially. Target does contactless pickup. Target, Walmart, same-day delivery. Walmart does some fantastic stuff inside your house. Amazon does next-day delivery. I think there's superior offerings, and people will remember that even as the lockdown ends. How about office space? That's harder. I think companies have discovered that letting their people work from home has a lot of unanticipated benefits in terms of productivity. I know the office REITs tell us not to worry. Their tenants are itching to come back. But honestly, we're in a recession and companies are desperate to save money. They want to accept the same rents when they know their employees can work from home. Oh, and this canard that they'll need even more office space because of social distancing. I find that one painful. When it comes to remote work, the genie, it's out of the bottle. Retail's the most stark. The pandemic has driven a stake through the heart of brick and mortar. Everything's online now. Some companies get it, especially Etsy, Shopify, and now Facebook. Who needs to rent space if you can run your small business out of your home or on the web? On your Facebook page or Instagram. I think Harvey Finkelstein, the COO of Shopify, put it best. The pandemic has pulled forward retail behavior 10 years. We're now seeing what these companies might have morphed into over the next decade. Without a digital strategy, you're toast. So just remember even as we reopen for business, the new normal is not the old normal. Stick with Kramer. Next on Markets in Turmoil, Florida's theme parks want to reopen. Meet the man who has a say. Plus, Kansas City's move to help restaurants stay afloat by going outdoors. And expert advice on how to keep it from becoming last call for the nation's bar. That's next. At Target, it's already come down enough. It's been punished. I like it right here. You know what? I think that this Palo Alto, it sounds like I think it could literally go to, yes, $300. I'm not kidding. And take two. Oh, just buy it and hold it. Stop trading it. It doesn't make any sense not when Strauss Zelnick is at the helm working for you as a shareholder. I liked all three tonight. And i like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow.